0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 28 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum. I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey. I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy. And we're both going to school here in the city of Utah to become
1: licensed marriage and family therapists. And today we're going to go over 10 myths and facts about therapy in general. We're going to go over them and we're going to debunk them and just talk about it in general. Answer some questions you might have about therapy. Let's get right into it. What about therapy? All right, welcome back, everyone, to episode 28, as you as you heard in the intro. Today, we're going to go over some 10 myths and 10 fun facts, debunking those myths about therapy, counseling, and really mental health in general, like seeking help for mental health. So, Some of them are actually really good. Yeah. So I hope you're ready. Very interesting stuff. They answered questions that I had, honestly, and I'm a student, so here we go. The and first, we also, yeah. sorry, before oh, you begin,
0: we need to cite our sources Yes. So we got them from Psychology Today, from Skinner's Psychotherapy, and Counseling Education. Yeah, it was like a EDU.
1: It's some school. Um, but yeah, it was a good article. Yeah,
0: we'll leave them all down in the show notes if you want yeah. to go and read the article yourselves. Really these are stuff. all these ten are from those three collectively, and so they're not, you know, exactly in in one article. Yeah. They're just kind of from all over the place. you kind of got ten one ten myths and facts that we think were really good.
1: Yeah, and then there's a couple in there that we kind of came up with <laughs> ourselves, but we have some other citations in there that we'll talk about later. But the first one, myth number uno, number one, is that therapists just get a certificate online and they just call it good and they can start their own practice. And that is verifiably false. And we can tell you that firsthand. <laughs> myth. That the fact is, and this is just a quick rundown of what a therapist has to do, at least a LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Utah. And this is for most professional counselors. Like, it's kind of similar. Yeah. But for the one we're going for, specifically, licensed marriage and family therapy, it's a four years of undergraduate, so just a regular bachelor's degree, typically in an applied field. Mine's in marriage and family studies at BYU-Idaho.
0: And- Mine's behavioral science with an emphasis on family studies. With a minor in psychology. A little
1: more fancy than mine.
0: Mine's just but marriage and family studies. It's all the same thing. though. It's yeah. covering the, basically the same stuff. Taking
1: the basically same classes. So there's that, yeah. the four-year undergraduate. And you, they, the the graduate degrees, are they're pretty stingy with who they accept. And so you have to have a good GPA. And like they want to have good letters of recommendation, all types of stuff like that. And so it's about two years of a master's, um, depending on where you go, um, where we're planning on going. it's It's five semesters continuous, about 60 or so credits. Of a master's degree, and then after that, 4,000 hours of sessions before you can get licensed. 4,000 of working underneath a a licensed therapist, kind of like a residency, just like a doctor. We have to work underneath a, um, well, in the future, we'll be working underneath a a licensed therapist and kind of getting pointers and tips from them under their direction, implementing therapy sessions, basically.
0: Yeah. So once you get your master's degree, you get your AMFT, which is your associate marriage and family therapist. So you're a therapist, you're just not licensed, you are an associate, Mm -hmm. but you'll be doing sessions and everything a licensed therapist would, you're just not, you know, I guess, I mean, I wouldn't even say official, it's just you're not licensed, you're not the the highest tier at that point.
1: Yeah, it's like you can work as a therapist and do all the therapy things, but you (laughs) couldn't open your own practice and start doing your own type of thing. You have to be underneath someone who is licensed that can kind of direct you and give you guidance. So Yeah,
0: because I mean, a lot of people don't realize that to be a therapist, it's literally just like being a doctor. Obviously, we don't have to go to medical school, but we still have residency, still have years and years of school to do what we want to do, to be able mm-hmm. to help people in you know all walks of life and to help people with completely different issues yeah you know and so i feel like that's it doesn't get appreciated enough for school for therapists they they put in a lot of work to
1: get where they are and yeah and then most therapists most like almost all of them will do side certifications and side training so they can they can do substance abuse training or substance abuse uh, counseling substance abuse counseling and um, they'll do certifications and classes and training so they can be more um, prepared to help with specific situations in your life, whatever you need. And so on top of the basic stuff, most therapists will do other stuff to be more, to better the trade, the stuff they want to do. That's what I plan on doing. And then on top of all that, what the state requires, at least in Utah, is every two years you need to go through at least 40 hours of continuing education, um, including six hours in ethics, of, ethics and law. So like the... The, the not so fun stuff surrounding therapy, but very important with ethics and um, laws regarding treating patients and things like that. And then um, also two hours of suicide prevention every year, every two years as well. So, in that 40 hours, two, three of it needs to be related to marriage and family therapy, six to ethics and laws, and two to suicide prevention. So, just like doctors do a lot of the time, like therapists are also required to get involved in continuing education every two years to maintain your license. At least in Utah, it's probably different than other places. And Zuko's
0: helping over here. Yeah, our mascot's here, Zuko. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there you go. That's myth number one, and fact number one is that your therapist actually may know what he's talking about, or she may know what she's talking about, because yeah. they go through years and years of education and training to help you with your with the things that you're struggling with. Yeah. And going to therapy for. All right, number two. The first myth, I guess the second myth of this. Anyways, (laughs) suicide isn't as big of a problem as it's made out to be. And I know that may, you know, some people may think that because they don't know anyone that's committed suicide or, like, know anyone personally anyway. Because I feel like most people nowadays actually know someone, like, via, you know, third person or... Mm -hmm or whatever, that's... Mutual friends or something. Yeah, that's been... Someone that's been affected by suicide. But the fact is that suicide rates have increased 33% from between 1999 and 2019, with a small decline in 2019. And suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It was responsible for more than 47,500 deaths in 2019 which is about one death every 11 minutes for an entire year. Like, that's insane. And the number of people who think about or attempt suicide is even higher. In 2019, 12 million American adults seriously thought about suicide, 3.5 million planned a suicide attempt, and 1.4 million attempted suicide. And those statistics come from the CDC. And that's pretty mind-boggling. And the rates, especially, I mean, when you put them in percentages, it can seem kind of small, like 33%. I mean, as a percentage, that's massive. But 33 is a lot smaller than if you look at the actual number, which is 47,000 in just one year. That's kind of, that's pretty crazy. It's
1: insane. Like, you think about the one death every 11 minutes statistic. Like, this episode will probably be somewhere around 30 minutes, just depending, maybe even 20 minutes. But even if it's 20 minutes, just in the length of this episode, two people in the United States will commit suicide, which is just so sad, like terrible to think about. And it, it proves that myth quite wrong, that it is an issue. And it's a it's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. That's, a, that's an issue if I've ever seen one.
0: Yeah, and that's something that people don't like to talk about as suicide yeah. because it is really heavy. And especially if they have known someone that's committed suicide, maybe they don't want to talk about it a lot but you know this is something that we need to bring to everyone's attention to realize that it it really is a big deal and it's something that we can actually have an impact on and start to change obviously you can't you know we're not going to be able to save everyone that attempts uh suicide but mm-hmm. we can you know what if you're speaking out about suicide saved one person that was going to commit suicide if it's just one person That's a big deal. And so we can do our part to speak out about it and realize that we can do something about it. Yeah, be a friend to someone. There's a lot you can do. And we'll probably talk a lot about that in future episodes. For um, sure. It's definitely an
1: issue that we need to focus on more as a culture. Um, So that was myth number two and fact number two. Myth number three is, and this comes from one of the websites that we cited earlier, but the myth is if I go to therapy... There will be a record that may jeopardize my work or life that if your therapist diagnoses you with something or says that you have this certain issue, it might get in the way of you getting to school or getting a certain job because they're going to find out that you have severe anxiety. But the the fact is um, that it's true that your therapist does keep notes documenting each session. This helps them to document and monitor the treatment and goals and purposes. So there is a certain amount of... Um, note-taking and documentation yeah but it's very confidential and as this continues to say that um, the notes are confidential and documents are not shared with anyone without um, your written permission this confidentiality would only be broken if in the event of safety concerns yours or someone else's by court subpoena So the only time that that ever is going to get broken and the ethics and laws are basically the same nationwide there's different laws per state but nationwide um, your specific diagnostics and notes and specific things that your therapist writes about you and, like, your file or whatever that they keep. It's not going to be seen by anyone else unless they have written permission from you or you're getting prosecuted or someone's getting prosecuted and, um, this like, state attorneys get involved. And so basically zero that your
0: information will ever get shared with anybody. Yeah, and, I mean, if you... Most of the time, I mean, if you have a good therapist, during the informed consent part of the therapy session at the beginning, they will tell you that if you say anything that's related to harming, like yourself, as in you're planning to do something, or you're going to harm someone else, then the therapist is obligated. They Mm -hmm. have to tell someone, like the authorities, or uh, someone that will be able to protect the person that you either plan to hurt, and if it's yourself, then they will also need to step in with other authorities to uh, make sure that doesn't, to prevent you from from doing that. And so there are certain rules and laws there. It's not just the therapist's, you know.
1: Um, they're not your partner like, in crime. Like they're, yeah, they're not, yeah. yeah,
0: and they're not, it's not just their choice or something that they decide to do mm-hmm. to tell someone about it. It's a law that they have to. But most of the time, I mean... i don't think that will happen yeah and your therapist will also be made will make you aware of that and i've known a couple therapists that have told their clients when they're talking and they're about to say something the therapist will actually stop them and say if you say what you're going to say i may have to tell someone or i may have to tell you know the authorities or whatever so most of the time i think therapists are pretty good with that Mm -hmm. but a lot of that is abuse of self or others like if you're like if it comes up that you
1: are getting abused by someone and like you say, like it's the therapists can't, like you like said, they can't keep their mouth shut about that. Or if you, it, it comes out that you are actively participating in abuse of someone else, um, they have to say something or they get in trouble. So it's
0: yeah, like- they can like lose Yannick their said. license. Exactly, so they're, without, um, it's protecting they everyone alone. involved, really, yeah. Yeah, yep. So it's all good intentions, of mm-hmm. course, but if you go to therapy and, you know, you say that you're being abused, and you don't think, you know, you think it'll just stay there in the office, most likely it may, you know, the therapist may have to do something about it. It's There are yeah. different levels, obviously, and yeah. we're not the ones to say, you know, what uh, at what point do they actually, will they actually need to tell the authorities? Yeah, but they're, they're not
1: pros- Yeah, they're not prosecutors, but they're definitely <laughs> not um, going to hide your secrets type of thing. Like if it's in a danger of someone, if you're, if someone in danger or you are in danger, they... Yeah, they have just have laws to
0: follow. They have rules to follow, just like any other, you know, profession. Mm-hmm. There are laws,
1: but for the most part, your like your secret and emotional struggles that don't involve like harm or abuse. Those very deep, dark secrets that like of your trauma and your past and things that you struggle with on a day-to-day basis that will stay between you and the therapist. They're not going to talk to anyone else about it. They're not going to, like, without your permission, they're not going to share it with anyone else. Um, it's it's very confidential, and you can. Go to therapy knowing that what is said there that is private and confidential is going to stay there. And it's going to be a nice, healthy, and safe environment.
0: Yeah. You can go there with full confidence that everything will be okay because your therapist really will take care of you in that sense where he'll let you know, you know, or she, yeah, what you can and can't say in therapy without, you know, yeah, um, confidentiality. Anyway.
1: You won't you won't be, uh, bamboozled. <clears throat> yeah, you won't be, be. bamboozled. Yeah, you won't be bamboozled. That's a good
0: way to put it. Myth and fact number four, therapy is only for the really messed up. I think this is one of the biggest parts of the therapy stigma, is that you only go to therapy when you have problems or you're really messed up. And this says right here, so these therapists that wrote this article, they said, no, not true, false. (laughs) This myth is one of the most dangerous. There's no doubt that therapy is incredibly helpful for those who are struggling with serious mental health concerns, but assuming it is only for this group is backwards. Therapy can teach you how and what you need to take care of your mental health, which lowers your risk for serious mental concerns. So why wait until things are really bad to seek help? This is the fuel that feeds the stigma around mental health, like we were just talking Mm. about. Therapy should be and needs to be as common as seeing your doctor or dentist for a checkup. Therapy is for all problems, big and small. It should be tailored for where you are in your mental health journey and progress as you do. Help stop the stigma. I love that because we really do need to do our part to realize that therapy, just like they said here, just needs to be like a regular doctor's checkup or a dentist appointment. You know, If you hear someone say, I went into the dentist today, had a cavity. You don't think, dude, What's wrong with you that? are
1: messed up.
0: <laughs> you are a messed up human being. Like, no, you think that's, I mean, that's normal, right? We all have cavities. I mean, except unless you're my wife, she's literally flawless teeth. Me too. But And Austin. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we all have issues with either, you know, a doctor's appointment or a dentist We have cavities, whatever. That's normal. And it's just silly that we think that if we have a mental health issue or if someone goes to a therapist and they have serious mental health issues that that's like abnormal. Or if they're going there for anxiety, that's abnormal. And it's really not. It's just as normal as a cavity. And it needs to be really start to be seen that way. Mm-hmm. Our, we have an internship together and our internship
1: manager said something today that really stuck out to me that the problems with our brain should be seen the same way as their problems as our stomach. They can be taken care of and there's, sh- like, there's ways to take care of it and there should be no stigma behind taking care of it. Like Enoch said, if someone, like, had a cavity and they went to go fill it, you would not think that something is wrong with them. And you would have no problem saying it, too. Like, I would have no right. problem telling a co-worker at work that, yeah, I have, I have a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment. I have to get my gallbladder checked out. But um, I, I even myself would probably have a hard time saying I'm going to my therapist because I have really bad anxiety. And that's not, that's not how it should be. And I know that that stigma is constantly coming down, but um, we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes, but um, therapy is for everybody. It's for anyone that has had an anxious thought before. We all need to learn how to cope yep. with our emotions better. And so, like, the fact is, number four, it's really for everybody that has ever been anxious before <laughs> or is basically <laughs> right. a human. Any human being yeah. can benefit from therapy. Even just one session. And I think that's what we'll talk about a little bit later too, but you can you can benefit from even just a one session to learn some coping skills or relationship skills or like mental health um, foundations in general. Yep. So I guess that leads us to number five. Fact and myth number five is that therapy takes forever. And the therapist that wrote this said that the fact is that while Hollywood would love us to believe that this myth is accurate, it simply isn't true. How long therapy takes depends on the variety of factors, such as the degree to which someone is struggling, and the quality of the therapeutic relationship between the therapist and the client. I've had clients make life-changing revelations in the first session while others took more time as they delve deeper into the process and delve into themselves. And so as that says, everyone's gonna be a little bit different and it depends on the relationship you have with your therapist and it may take you a few different, I guess hopping around different therapists to make that relationship, because if you go to your first one and you just don't like them and you just don't seem to connect um, which is a very important part of choosing a therapist is that connection it may may take a few times but and it depends on your situation but uh, not everyone needs that 10 years of therapy to overcome their problems and a wonderful book that we cite all the time is the liberated mind by stephen hayes and the founder of acceptance and commitment therapy and he says that um, with his specific modality, uh, there's a lot of people that come in and have life changing revelations and learn skills in just one or two sessions. And then they never see him again. And then on following up a little (laughs) while later uh, through emails and um, like through emails and letters him reaching out to them, uh, they seem to be just doing amazing and they don't have any problems. And so it depends on your situation. And we can't always say for sure, because we're not therapists and we're not your therapist, even if we were that, uh, everyone's going to have a different experience with it. Yeah. But you don't, you shouldn't go in thinking this is going to take five years to get to where I want to be. It's going to, it could be five sessions. It could be five weeks. It's just different for everybody.
0: Yeah. It really is different for everybody. And you should also not go into the session thinking I'm only going to need one session or two sessions as well. Cause I mean, that's another myth that we can also add to this one. It's not on the list necessarily, but it, the myth is that therapy only takes one or two sessions and all my problems will be fixed. And now, obviously, there are stories of that happening with people, and that Mm -hmm. can happen, not saying it won't. But I think, I mean, you'll go until the issue is resolved, Mm -hmm. I think, you know. And a lot of people, that can take, you know, like Austin was saying, five sessions, five years, and there's no problem with any of that. Mm -hmm. The timeline is different for everybody. One session is, you know, just as good if as a thousand sessions if that's what you need yeah absolutely. you know, it's okay and there you know you shouldn't be judged for how many sessions you go to and there you go that's myth Amen. number five number six therapists just want your money they don't really care now i think because i'm not even we're not therapists yet and just reading this makes me really mad <laughs> and irritated and this is what uh, the article says they say if these were ordered from the most to least irritating this one would be at the top of course not all therapists are alike we're human but for the most part therapists are people who care deeply about others and their world to decide to devote your life to holding a space for someone of the most or some holding space for some of the most painful stories and struggles anyone can imagine takes guts courage and commitment Therapists who just want your money don't last. Trust me. They don't last because a client can sniff them out a million miles away. If you find a therapist who you feel just wants your money, call them out. Don't sit shy. Address what is wrong. When you open the conversation, you allow for a deeper understanding and more effective connect- or a more effective connection with the professional you are seeing. So it does really take, one, thick skin, okay, to be a therapist... <laughs> does take courage and commitment because you are, I mean, again, I haven't sat, I've been in therapy as in I was the the client, but I've never been, I haven't been the, the therapist yet. And just reading about it and reading our curriculum for our classes and things, it gets really heavy and deep stuff. We even just read about like uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, all these things that are, these stories that are very heavy. And it takes, you know, courage, like the article says, to be able to keep going and to create space like you're in, you're literally going into an occupation where it's not about you. It's about helping the client. And obviously therapists need therapists, right? You're not just immune to these, uh, the stories and, and things that you help people through. You obviously need to be in therapy as well with other therapists. And that's also something that's I think, neglected in the therapist world mm-hmm. is that therapists don't see therapists because they don't think they need it because they're a therapist. <laughs> and that's just wrong because we are, again, still human. Mm-hmm. We still need to go to therapy. And even in one of my classes, we that's something we learned about is therapists need people to listen to them as well. And that's not appropriate, obviously, to just vent to clients. That is not the time and place for that. But when you get the chance, you can also be the client to talk about things that you're going through and get some things off of your chest. But I think it's pretty, and there, I mean, I guess there are therapists out there that just want your money and don't care, but like they say, they don't, they, they don't last because that's not enough drive and that's not a big enough why to keep you in such a field that's very heavy and can be really hard. Yeah, it's a, to be extrinsically, extrinsically motivated
1: in this field, they're not going to last long. And and I, I guess as, an, as a warning, you will run into them. I think if you're on a search for a good yeah. therapist, you might run into one or two that are maybe a little bit more monetarily driven than um, like relationship driven. And yeah, I think you will. I'm going to say straight up, you will. Just like you run into doctors and dentists that are money driven. But you're always going to find the dentist, the doctor, or the therapist that really cares about your dental health, about your physical health and your mental health. You're going to find them all across the board. And and to be completely frank, um, part of what drove me to be a therapist is that um, there is money involved with it, but that's like probably 5% of it. Um, There's a good motivation to get through school and to um, to get over the sacrifice of going through school, but that's such a small portion of it that sometimes I don't even think about it. It's a, It's really the idea that I get to sit down after school. For the rest of my life, I get to sit down with people and connect with them and they say to get paid for it like that's mm-hmm. that's like the side part of it that i get to connect with people every day and help them through their problems and the fact that i'm getting paid for it is like a it's like the cherry on top it's not the beef of it it's a it's really encouraging that i get to in the future get paid for something that i care about um but i think i can speak for Enoch as well that we both do this even this podcast um and things in general we're going through school because we genuinely care about the mental health of other people and this the general well-being well-being of the people around us, we just want to make a difference in the community.
0: And, and yeah, we're not getting paid for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be cool I mean, if we had hey, some sponsors, not. but maybe in the future. But yeah. right now, we don't. We just like, do it for fun and we want to help. It's for fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you go. you're going
1: to run into them and just be
0: aware, but you're always going to
1: find the people that care.
0: So you're always going to find a therapist that you'll connect with and that will be able to help you with whatever you're going through. It's just about finding them. But yeah. they're out there. So yeah, same with any profession. Doesn't matter. Um, but
1: yeah, myth number seven: You are weak if you cannot help yourself. You pathetic coward. False. 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 Dwight false, false. Schrute. False. And this is, I feel like, is catered more to men because I have felt this way in the in the past before I decided I wanted to be a therapist. I felt that I was weak if I couldn't help myself. Yeah. So if that's you, listen up a little bit because it feels like I'm talking to myself almost because I have had this problem. Um, But from the article, the fact is that um, this is what the this is the um, first person of the therapist that wrote it. But he says, or I guess she says, I used to have a sign in my office that read, your mind is no place that you should ever walk alone. And it was right. When we are stuck in our own heads, it is hard to figure out what we see. We look at everything with biased eyes, emotions, and often with the same assumptions that caused the problems in the first place. By being at an arm's length from your situation, a therapist is able to provide a non-biased perspective that you can explore and overcome the challenges you face. Trying to solve problems with the same mind that created it often can be a defeating and futile task. Reaching out is not only more effective, it's also often more energy efficient. And I love that last line that it's more energy efficient because it's likely that you could get through the problems by yourself. It's very likely that you might be able to figure out a way to do it. But like that last line says, it's not energy efficient. You are gonna get run down so hard, especially the really intense problems that you deal with in your daily life, you're gonna you're gonna run out of gas very quickly if you try to do that and you might get to your destination before that, but it's gonna it's gonna take more time. And so it's just more efficient to find a counselor around you and there and there's affordable options out there if that that's your main problem too, but um, if your main problem is that you um are weak if you turn to a therapist, that's just a lie that you tell yourself that I have told myself countless times over the years and not even in mental health realms. I do that if like if I can't fix my car by myself. I feel weak if I can't That's why I like, feel too go on YouTube and like if I can't it, do manly things. Exactly. Like and it, that's why I think this this myth caters <clears throat> specifically to men, but it can cater to women as well. But um just know that you're not weak just because you need help. Like as we've said multiple times on this podcast before, humans are designed from the factory to solve problems with other people. Like we became top of the food chain because we know how to work together in tribes and to, we knew how to, we're really good at teamwork as human beings. And so to try to battle something as hard as mental health. And like the article says, when you try to fix the problem, when our brain tries to fix the same problem, the brain created, that's like a, a weird inception paradox <laughs> like it it's like really that's a weird. christopher nolan movie right there <laughs> so um that's why counselors are so important with this and that's why we're so big advocates for it because they can be a completely unbiased third party they're going to tell you what you need to hear good and bad
0: hey amen could not have said it better myth number eight all you need is medication or you can tell yourself all i need is medication mm-hmm. and we've talked about that in recent episodes as well how that is just wrong. Um, The fact is that research generally shows that psychotherapy is more effective than medications and that adding medications does not significantly improve outcomes from psychotherapy alone. That comes from APA.org, which is America's uh, Psychology Association. Yeah, the American Psychology Association. Yep. So we talked about that again in the past, how kind of our go-to, especially in the Western society, when we feel bad or have a headache or whatever it is, we instantly think of, okay, all I need is ibuprofen for my headache, or all I need are some antidepressants because I'm feeling sad. And yes, that can help. However, like we mentioned in the last episode, he mentioned the biopsychosocial model. When we are going through things like depression and anxiety, and really, any issue, any problem that we have in our life, there are always at least three things that are involved. are The biological side, psychological side, and social aspect. And all three of those are always present with every problem. Now, when we take medications, those are only solving one of those pieces of the pie, which is the biological, which is inside your body, things that you experience inside right because the medication that's what it starts to change that's what it targets and that's only one piece of the pie that's only one part of the issue Mm -hmm. that you're going through and so when you take that medication yes it may feel good but that's only a short-term solution to a long-term problem Mm -hmm. and it just won't it won't get you through it really won't and you'll have to become reliant on it which is not what medication was designed for in the first place
1: yeah it's uh i have a lot of thoughts on it and I'll, I'll keep it brief i've done a lot of research on this on this myself but a lot of the research shows that when um mental health struggles are combated with medication alone it typically makes things worse over time mm. you become more dependent especially on things like ssris and benzodiazepines um, the main uh, medications used to combat anxiety the more you use them without any other approaches Over time, you become dependent on the drugs, on the medication, and you can't cope with situations without that medication being present in your bloodstream. And I like to um, also say that medications are like treating the symptoms while therapy is treating the disease. You can treat symptoms all day long, but if you don't focus on the disease, under the surface, it's going to be getting worse and worse and worse. Hmm. With the symptoms being gone, you might think that disease is gone. And it, it could. Like, it could figure it out. Like, I'm not saying that medication isn't going to solve the problem, which it could. I think it's unlikely, in my opinion, that if you just go on medication agree. alone, it's not going to solve the issue. You need some sort of therapy or some sort of self-work or social healing, I guess. Like, going back to the... Psychosocial. The psychosocial part of yeah. it, yeah. Um, so, if you just cover the disease with a blanket or, like, a pretty rug, it's just it's just going to... It's like throwing cheese underneath a rug. It's eventually it's gonna go bad and it's gonna smell really bad and then it's gonna be way <laughs> worse if you when you peel back the rug and you start taking the medication that you see oh my gosh there's rotten cheese underneath there and
0: like diary of a, diary of a wimpy kid
1: yeah the, cheese, the touch. cheese
0: touch yeah yeah and so that's what
1: medications do without focusing on anything else if you just use it to treat the symptoms the the monster gets a lot bigger underneath the surface without you noticing it a lot of the times and that's from countless studies that I've read laying in bed when I couldn't fall asleep that um, even like especially self-medicating with um, not-so-prescription drugs or um, abusing prescription drugs, things like alcohol and um, other forms of uh, psychoactive drugs, when people use that to try to combat their anxiety specifically, it gets a lot worse underneath the surface. So when you go off of those things without it, it just the anxiety and the depression, it, it skyrockets. And so when you go to therapy and you um, involve other... Resources in that biopsychosocial model, you get to heal rather than feel better, because feeling better is great, but healing is a heck of a lot better.
0: That's a lot more. Uh, it's a better long-term solution. Mm-hmm. So that's number eight. Number eight.
1: And number nine. Here we go. <laughs> Myth is that psychotherapists make clients feel better immediately after each session psychotherapist is just, you can even just put therapist. Yeah, like, like marriage and family therapist. And insert yeah, name here. Insert therapist. So counselors makes clients feel better immediately after each session. And the fact is that the scenario might be convenient for a storyline, but nothing is further from the truth. Clients are not cars and therapists are not mechanics. Clients are active participants while therapists help them face and uncover whatever is bothering them. That process takes time and can initially difficult and painful. Having feelings stirred up is part of the therapeutic process. When psychotherapists describe the healing trajectory, they we often say that sometimes things get worse before they get better. But skilled therapists are trained on how to lead clients through the storm and into the calm. And so there's a million different ways we could take that. And we even talked about the opposite of that earlier, that for some people, um, therapy doesn't take that long. But going into it, you have to understand that the therapist isn't there to make you feel better and heal you. They're not like a shaman or a magician or like some wizard that's there to like just zap you with their fingers like Palpatine and um, Star Wars and just make you feel better all of a sudden. <laughs> they're, I usually say they're facilitators on your journey of you healing yourself. And they're professionals that understand skills and have knowledge of mental health and how the brain works and how anxiety works and... They're trained in certain modalities to help you implement them into your own life. And so you're not just gonna feel better by what a therapist says to you. You're gonna feel better of implementing the things that they're teaching you and training you on, and that's typically gonna take a good amount of time.
0: Yeah, I think it's commonly misconcepted. Misconceived. Misconstrued, misconstrued, construed. That when you go to therapy, your therapist is just going to give you solutions to your problems. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. The fact is that you're going to go to a therapy session and your therapist is going to guide you to you making your own decisions on what's best for you in your life. And you are going to come up with plans on how you can change. Your therapist isn't just going to give you all the answers that you want and the things that you say, the things that you want to hear, because it'll make you feel good. A therapist knows what steps you can take. And, but most of the time, I think if they're a good therapist, they're going to help you discover that what's best for you, because it can be, and it most likely will be different than, you know, the client before, before you that the therapist just saw, it's Mm going to be different. And so you can't just use the same model, the same solutions to everyone. It's going to be different. And so it's all about, like Austin was saying, the therapist is going to be a facilitator and help guide you in the direction. But it's really, therapy is really self-empowering because you come up with the solutions and you do the things that are going to heal you. The therapist isn't going to do it for you. They're simply facilitators for changing your life. They're not a mechanic that's just going to, you know, tighten up a couple bolts and send you off he's going to show you how to tighten the bolts yourself and so when stuff happens when you get some loose bolts and nuts you can tighten them yourself yeah they're just a
1: facilitator on your own journey and like we've talked about before and we'll continue to talk about in this last one they're an unbiased third party that will be able to tell you what exactly what you need to hear and sometimes that involves not feeling too good about what they have to say they're going to be completely honest and uh, it's going to take time on your own healing journey. So to be patient with them is also very, um, important because it's, you're not going to feel immediately better and most of the time you probably won't feel immediately better. So patience is a huge, um, as a, patience is a virtue when it comes to, uh, <laughs> therapy and patience and time, patience and time. Cause it may not take that much time, but you never know. And you have to go in thinking, that you're going to take the time. Kind of like what Enoch said Enoch said earlier. It's going to take the time that it's going to take. And you have to go into it, if you're thinking about it, which I would hope everyone is at this point, um, if you're thinking about it, you should go into it knowing that you need to give it the time that it deserves. And that's going to be
0: different for everyone. The time that you deserve. Yeah, really. You know, yeah. and you deserve whatever time it takes for you to feel happy with your life and to feel satisfied with the trajectory that your life is going, you know, and you yeah. deserve all the time in the world with whatever it is you're going through. And Mm -hmm. the therapists are able to hold that space for you for as long as you want and as long as you need. All right, that brings us to the last myth and fact. Number 10, there is no need to talk to a counselor since talking to a good friend is just as good. Now, even if your friend is a therapist, okay? (laughs) If any of my friends are listening right now, I am not your therapist. And I don't think I ever will be just due to... I want to be your friend and stay your friend. I don't want to become your therapist. But there really is a boundary there. And um, t- so, talking with a counselor is not the same as talking with a friend. Okay. As we described in the first myth, these counselors and therapists go through years of training and years of education to be able to help people properly take the right steps to make proper change. And so counselors are trained to set boundaries in their relationships with clients that keep the focus on focus of conversation where it needs to be, which is on the clients. And they're able to change goals and have the strategies for you to set proper goals and give you the proper strategies to, to get through things. Now, are we saying don't talk to your friends about your problems? No but that doesn't count as therapy or counseling because they, majority of the time, won't know what the heck they're talking about. And yes, they're going to have good intentions, obviously, because they're your friends. And if they don't have good intentions, then they're not your friends. (laughs) But they're not the same as talking with a therapist or a counselor. And any
1: podcast or self-help book or TV show or movie uh, isn't a replacement for therapy either and uh, you might be able to get enough help from those where you're feeling better. But yeah. to, for true healing, it takes time and it takes an unbiased third party to tell you what you need to hear and professionally coach you through the things that are um, bothering you the most. And so um, friends and spouses and parents are really great resources for helping you, um, support you through your journey of therapy, but they're not not—they're no excuse for a therapist. And like Enix said, um, even if your friend is a therapist, and they, you talk to them, they are your friend, and they're still gonna tell you kind of what you want to hear. And a lot, of, a lot of times they're they're not. And gonna, they are gonna
0: set boundaries too with you. Yeah. If they're, I think, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's not good for a, you know, friend, to be their friend's therapist. Like I'm not gonna, that's not my place to say, but yeah. Um, like they, a lot of the times that can ruin a friendship. And the, if they're good therapists, I think they'll also set boundaries with you to say, hey, like I'm saying this to you as a friend, not as a therapist. Yeah. And there are boundaries there as well that the therapist will, or I guess your friend who may be a therapist,
1: yeah. and will from, set with you. And from my understanding, I think there's even ethical codes and laws that therapists take that say that you can't um, take a client on that you knew previously or like someone that you know outside of work you can't take them on as a client anyways i think there's i learned that in one of my classes Something there might be. like that it's similar along to those it. lines it's i think and it's kind of like scanty and it's it's more along the lines of like you can't be friends with them outside of like you're not supposed to typically right. you're not
0: supposed associate to associate
1: with them outside of therapy like if a therapist sees you at the mall they're not going to walk up to you and say hey it's me your therapist and that's really <laughs> what the code lies in yeah. but um it's it just gets awkward and weird with when there's friends because there is those ethical laws and standards that therapists have to abide by and it's just gray areas and so you're better off going to someone who uh, is a little more objective and like you said, it's no one's place to say like you shouldn't go to a friend or a family member that's a therapist but for true healing and like long-term success, it's probably best to just go to someone who's impartial and that maybe your friend could um, refer you to.
0: Yeah. There you go. I hope those myths and facts were helpful for you. Mm-hmm and because i mean i know they were for me i learned a lot yeah it's really cool and realize that you do matter and i really do hope that well, austin and i both hope that this podcast can be one of those tools to help support you through your journey and through your change but realizing that again this is just a tool and we're not the ones to necessarily tell you how to use it properly because everyone is so different. Mm-hmm. Therapy is so individualized and that's why it's important to meet with a therapist and spend time with them so that they can get to know you and kind of personalize and show you how to use these tools that will be effective for your life. And they may not be effective for you know, another person's life, but this this podcast is like I said, just a really great resource, a good tool to bring these different like thoughts and ideas to your mind and to hopefully, if you've been thinking about it for some time, to make you, or I guess help you decide whether or not to go to therapy or not. Mm -hmm. And I would strongly recommend to go to therapy, whether you, you know, think you're really messed up in quotation marks or not. If you think your life is all blissful, there are still things that you can benefit from in therapy. So if that's, if you get anything from this podcast, this episode, it's that everyone, even you, yes, you, can benefit from therapy. Yeah, whether it be couples counseling or individual, everyone
1: can benefit from the skills that you could learn, even just from a session um, or a session or two. You can lifelong benefits from going, just from what I've learned and what we know. It's we'll be strong advocates for no matter what. My whole life, I will be. So hope we all hope you learn something. If you have any questions, go to our YouTube channel and leave a comment and. Obviously, don't make it personal or anything unless you want people <laughs> to see it. But we'll answer it as much as we can. We'd love to uh, maybe answer a question on an episode in the future. So implement that. Cool. We'd love to um, interact with you guys when you're having questions. Go to the YouTube channel. Throw them in the comments. And thanks for listening. We appreciate
0: every listener we have. And um, we love doing this for you guys. So. And since yeah. our YouTube channel is very small, it can be hard to find. So mm-hmm. we're actually going to link it in our Facebook and Instagram profiles. So you can always go there. Um, to our profiles and the link will be in our bios and you can yeah. go ahead and watch it because I know it can be difficult to find. Yeah. Or you can listen on any podcast platform. We're on there. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Taking us out is the one and only, the talented, Danny D. Have a good week. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy?
1: What about what about
0: therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? Yeah. What about what about therapy? 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 What about, what about therapy? Yeah.